I was restless and ready to give Nashville a try. Welcome to the ACC Basketball Report. I am your host, as always, Michael Hunter. You can find me on Twitter at Pcone36. I appreciate you guys joining me for a... Uh, what is in the triangle today? A cold, rainy, miserable Memorial Day. Um, I actually had to go into work for a couple hours this morning. This is the second attempt to record episode number 24. Um, I recorded yesterday. Um, I, I, I thought it was a decent show, but ultimately, uh, for whatever reason, I've been having trouble with Audacity. Luckily, for the past few weeks, including the Harold Little interview, Things went fine, but this is the second time in six or seven weeks that I've lost the podcast. I think it has mostly to do with the laptop that I'm using is about 10 years old. And uh, unfortunately, I think it's on its last leg as far as being able to support what I'm trying to do here with this podcast. So uh, looking at new laptops, probably pull the trigger on one today. May have to do uh, one more podcast on this particular laptop. And then uh, hopefully we'll get uh, some new tech in here. And we won't have these problems anymore. I, I think it's okay that I'm going to have to redo this one because I wasn't real happy with what uh, what I put out there yesterday as far as any commentary. And like always, as soon as I got done recording yesterday, there was a pretty big piece of news that came out uh, regarding uh, in, you know the, the roster situation in the ACC. And there's actually some another recruit new, uh, recruiting news that came out this morning. I'm a little jacked up this morning. I did have to be, it's about uh, 11.30 on Memorial Day. I did have to go into the office this morning, open up the job site. And I've had about four cups of coffee. Uh, I needed that to uh, get motivated. Typically, I'm a one cup of coffee guy. I was going to stop at uh, the ABC, grab some Evan Williams to kind of level me out. Of course, today's Memorial Day and everything's closed. So I'm a little bit uh, a little bit flighty, a little bit spacey, a little bit jacked up on uh uh, on caffeine this morning, so I do apologize. One thing I do want to get into really quick before I get into um, some player news, some recruiting news, and some other stuff is there was a story that came out uh, this week that says, uh, uh, according, according to the News and Observer of Raleigh, ACC, ACC shows revenues up 12% from last year. Uh, tax return shows $412 million in revenue for the ACC. Uh, average payout to each program in the ACC, full-time members is $26.6 million, uh, roughly about 10.5% bump from 2016. Clemson collected the highest payout at $30.7 million, while Syracuse collected the least for full-time members at 25.3. Notre Dame collects $5.8 million uh, for their somewhat quote-unquote part-time uh, membership with the ACC. If you'd like to read more about that, I actually put a piece out on slapthesign.com this week uh, regarding the ins and outs of you know that 5.8 million uh, how Notre Dame makes up the difference uh, and and some credit that has to go to the Notre Dame administration for how they've negotiated their deal with the ACC uh, they basically got everything they want and the ACC basically got a basketball team is basically how it runs down to uh, while these numbers seem somewhat gaudy obviously 412 million is a huge number um, the SEC payouts 
roughly $41 million. Um, obviously, Alabama was the largest payout. Um, you know, and this is, you know, this is directly um, a correlation with, I believe, the SEC network. Um, the ACC network is coming online in August of next year. That'd be in 2019. So ad revenue uh, dollars will obviously increase. Uh, ACC also goes to a 20-game slate in basketball next year, which will obviously generate even more money. Uh, in 2016, the ACC was actually number five out of the Power Five conferences as far as their payout distribution, that the average amount going to their full-time members. Um, obviously, I don't think that's a, a very good rep- representation of the quality in this conference, especially basketball. Was and I think the ACC is actually an underrated college football uh, conference as well. Um, you just have to ask any any fan of anybody in the ACC, and I think they would tell you that um, some of the numbers in bowl games and things like that have been pretty impressive as far as the ACC goes. Um, obviously, next year, <clears throat> launch of the ACC network, twenty game schedule, all that stuff is gonna is gonna help increase revenue, especially the ACC network. I mean, you're seeing what it's doing for the SEC right now. The SEC is a powerhouse. And the things it's done for the college football programs over there is obviously is obviously huge. And the money that the college football is generating is trickling down into those SEC basketball programs, which obviously the SEC is a football-first conference, but that money is helping them hire quality basketball coaches. You know, you've seen guys like Ben Howland, uh, Rick Barnes, um, Avery Johnson. These are quality basketball – Bruce Pearl. Uh, these are quality basketball coaches that are going to schools that – uh, are considered football schools, um, but uh, you know Kermit Davis at Old Miss are, are football schools. But now that money is enriching their athletic department to expand into other sports. So <clears throat> go to slapsun.com, check out the article on Notre Dame and their 5.8 million, and also pay attention to uh, to, to next year after um, well the end of 2000 you won't hear about the numbers till 2020 so it'll be a couple years before we know what kind of an impact the acc network actually has and actually you probably it won't be indicative until 2021 when you see the 2020 uh, tax returns so keep an eye on that i I expect the acc to start making up some ground with the launch of this new network Uh, i want to talk a little bit real quick about players that are staying in the draft this year uh we all know josh kogi staying in the draft i spoke about that about a week ago Uh, adam zagoria also reporting that uh, Tyus Battle is actually going to go pro, um, or he is likely to stay in the draft. <clears throat> so Syracuse uh, message board, Syracuse fans did have reason to be concerned uh, when he did put his name in. Obviously, it was it, it was his intention to go all along, and a lot of people in the Syracuse community had that story a long time ago. That is, uh, you know, bad news for Syracuse, obviously, but something that I did miss on, and I, I wish somebody would have hit me up here, players returning to school. O'Shea Brissett has apparently made it official. He's coming back to school. Apparently this was announced in middle of April. Something I completely missed, and I certainly apologize. You know, it makes them uh, not as great. I, you know, they're losing a tremendous score in battle. But, you know, you bring in a guard like Jalen Carey, you move Frank Howard to the two. Uh, Elijah Burns is a transfer that's coming in from Eastern Carolina. <clears throat> I think he could be uh, obviously not as good as Battle, but he's he's a quality option at that at that other wing position. And then you got Bursette, who's a hybrid 3-4 type player. you got guys like Dolajai and Chukwu and Sidibe that are going to play in the front court. So, you know... <clears throat> Syracuse isn't uh, isn't completely void of talent, but uh, but you know it's difficult to replace a guy like Battle, who I think if he came back, he's a, a twenty to twenty five point per game scorer, 
especially with a guard like Jalen Carey, who's going to get him the ball in a position to succeed on on more uh, occasions than Frank Howard. Frank Howard is kind of a guy that's hunting his own shot a lot of the time and uh, not – you know he's not overly concerned with distribution. Though he, he puts up great numbers, but those were basically the only two options on that on that uh, you know that offensive end for that team last year. Uh, next year, I think you know Syracuse could be could have been a bear. You know, really could have been a really good team, like elite eight good. You know, with uh, Darius Baisley and Tyus Battle. Unfortunately, those guys won't be joining uh, Jim Beheim in Syracuse next year. Um, some guys, uh, some other guys returning to school. Dewan Hewell has announced that he's returning to Miami, so Miami gets some good news in the offseason for once. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think Hewell is a is an NBA talent. Uh, I don't think he was quite ready this year. He started off really well in 2017-18, but kind of tailed off towards the end. Um, you know, that slowly became Lonnie Walker's team. This coming year, this is Dewan Hewell's team. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to have to take the bull by the horns and be the leader on that team. And I think he'll be in the league after the, after next year. Um, again, O'Shea said, I have not heard any news on Kai Bowman. Last last news I heard was he was working out with with the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Oklahoma City Thunder. He actually has until Wednesday of this week to decide whether or not he'll be back. I still think he will be back, although... I don't know that for sure. Uh, some news that broke yesterday is actually uh, Torn Dorn will be returning to NC State. North Carolina State has a hell of a roster, people. Um, I did see, I forget the publication, but um, you know CBS, I believe, has them in the top 25 for next year. I, I think that's, that's legit. <clears throat> I think they came in at 22. I think 1 through 12, um, NC State is, you know, 1 through 12, possibly the most talented program in the ACC. Um, not many people can say that they have a player of the quality of Manny Bates, who, who's a, a freshman big man that's coming in for them. Uh, not many people can say they have that type of quality as their 12th man. Okay, Not many people can say that a guy with the, 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 the ceiling or the ability of Devin Daniels is going to be their 6th or 7th man. Um, the, there are only two holdovers from the Mark Godfrey Mark era, and, you know, that's Markel Johnson and Torn Dorn. Uh, Kevin Keats has essentially completely flipped that roster in about 16 months. And, you know, there's it, a lot of talent there. Um, Eric Lockett is, is a really good uh, transfer that they're going to get from Juco. Uh, Blake Harris is a guy that, you know, from Missouri, he's got some talent. I'm not sure he's quite ready right now, but he doesn't have to be. Markel Johnson is... Is, is is only a, a junior going into next year, and then Braxton Beverly will only be a sophomore. Um, a lot of talent in this backcourt, and then a lot, of, you know, a lot of talent in the front court. Uh, Wyatt Walker is a quality transfer from Samford. He's going to be a senior. Uh, Sasha Clea Jones is a sit one play two guy that will that will be in next year. Derek Funderburk was a guy that went to Ohio State. You know, had a lot of love. Went JUCO and uh, and came back. At, People are expecting big things from him, and then you know they still got one of my favorite uh, my my favorite freshman classes coming in in Jericho Helams, Ian Steer, and uh, Manny Bates. Even though they did lose uh, Sadiq Bay, who is one of my favorite players um, that was coming into the ACC for next year, but still uh, a lot of talent coming in, a lot of talent on this team. NC State is a team that you guys have to keep an eye out on for. Um, <clears throat> the other, obviously, the biggest news of the week last week was that Luke May will be returning to Chapel Hill for his uh, senior year. Um, early on, I have to I have to say, guys, he's going to be my pick for ACC Player of the Year. I mean, he's I think he's a shoe, and he should be. I mean, every preseason uh, prognosticator should probably have him as ACC Player of the Year. I don't know who else, uh, Kyle Guy, maybe you know, one of the freshmen from Duke, possibly. 
Uh, Kai Bowman, if he comes back, is obviously a, a candidate. Um, you know, uh, Justin Robinson, Virginia Tech. You know, all those guys are are in the conversation. But I think you know, Luke May is is just he's a machine statistically. You know, he st- he certainly does struggle with uh, with athletic big men, which we all know. Um, I don't think anybody really thought that he was going to go pro, but it's good to get that feedback and. <clears throat> You know, he's going to be playing with some really talented kids, but also some really young kids this year. And I think they're going to lean on him a lot, especially with a freshman point guard uh, like Kobe White is going to lean on the big guy. They're going to play that pick and roll. I think you're going to see him in a lot of pick and pop situations. Um, you know, Cam Johnson, obviously another player on that team, but, uh, you know, another senior leader on that Carolina team. But I think, you know, Luke May with no Joel Berry, Luke May becomes the guy. Okay, He was kind of the guy last year. It was a lot of the times it was the Luke May, Joel Berry show next year. A lot of the time, it's going to be the Luke May show. Okay, there's going to be some nights when it's the Nas Little show. There's going to be some nights when it's the Kobe White show, the Cam Johnson show. A lot of the nights, it's going to be Luke May. Uh, I'd put the over under on 2020 games at uh, I'm going to say five, four. Let's go four, three and a half. Okay, put the over under on 2020 games at three and a half. Um, I, I think he's just going to have a beast of a year next year, and I'll say it right now: ACC Player of the Year right now, uh, May 28th. Write that down. <clears throat> Okay, uh, a couple of transfer out guys. You know, uh, you know some of this stuff. I'm a little bit late on. I haven't been. Uh, you know, last week I kind of concentrated on some certain issues, such as Akogi and some other things. Uh, Oki Obiagu, who's the uh, the seven footer who left Florida State, he's heading to Seton Hall. He'll be a sit one, play three player for Seton Hall. If you uh, remember back to last year before the season, uh, Syracuse big man Torian Thompson actually left Syracuse and went to Seton Hall um, per his mother's wishes, basically, is what that boiled down to. Again, Syracuse fans very well informed. They had that in the middle of the summer. They knew that was going to happen. Okay, Nobody saw Thompson on the campus last year. If you read any of the Syracuse message boards, they were all over that very early. So when you look at 2019-2020, Seton Hall could have a very, very talented front court in uh, Ike Obiagu and Torian Thompson. Obviously, Thompson can score, and obviously, Obiagu is a defensive rim protector extraordinaire. So, look for that front court um, if they're still there. You know, a lot can happen in 18 months. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, Lance Thomas is leaving Louisville, um, which is a, a big blow to. You know, the Louisville roster right now, he was a four-star, top 100, top 150 guy, according to most services in the 2017 class. Played 12 games, averaged two points, you know, one and a half rebounds in about four minutes per. He's a sit-one, play-three transfer. Before he committed to Louisville, uh, VCU, Oklahoma, USC, he actually took an official visit to USC and Florida, all interested. Uh, Within the ACC, North Carolina State, Uh, obviously before Kevin Keats arrived. So we'll, we'll see how that hashes out. Keats already has two guys sitting out. That interest may not be there anymore. Uh, GTAC also very interested. Lance Thomas is a Norcross guy. Norcross is a suburb or, uh, you know, the outer part of Atlanta. And, you know, GTAC has had success bringing guys into Atlanta from Norcross. Gonny Lawal, for instance, was a Norcross guy. Um, if he does decide to go within the ACC, he is a sit-two, play-two player. I believe I have that right. I know he has to sit-two but I'm not sure if he forfeits that additional year of eligibility. I'm assuming he does. If you transfer within the ACC, you have to sit two before you're eligible. A lot of people don't know that. Just thought I'd throw it out there for you. Uh, Working into some recruiting news. 
uh, piece that just came out per Corey Evans just just came across uh, the desk as I was turning on the recorder is Noah Farrakhan is on an unofficial visit to UVA right now to Virginia uh, he is a top 50 guy in the 2019 class definitely something to keep an eye on that would be a very good get for Virginia uh, getting into the list you know today most of sh- today's show is going to be recruiting news and I'm kind of flying through this and I apologize I have done this already you know I did this 24 hours ago um, also the caffeine is just really whooping my ass this morning I'm usually a one cup of coffee guy uh, Trey Mann has cut his list to three he removed Florida State Louisville Georgia Tech he's a top 50 kid out of Florida uh, his final three is Florida Tennessee Kansas um, right now, I believe that Florida is leading uh, in the crystal ball. Not that that holds a whole lot of clout right now. Uh, 2019 shooting guard Andre Hyatt <clears throat> has reclassified from the 2019 class to the 2018 class. Immediately becomes one of the hottest commodities on the market, along with Sadiq Bay, who when he tra- or when he left North Carolina State, they said that there is no restrictions on him. So Bay may be collecting interest from ACC programs such as Pittsburgh, most most definitely Pittsburgh. Um, if if there are in fact zero restrictions, I don't know if he was ever enrolled in class. You know, it's kind of shaky as far as what when he actually decided to transfer. But anyway, <clears throat> back to Hyatt. Past five days, past six days now, uh, it's been reported offers from VCU, Louisville, South Carolina, Georgia Tech. Now, GTEC's going to be all over this kid. Louisville's going to be all over this kid. Okay, This kid is the perfect replacement for Josh Okogie, Okay, He has reclassified just in time after Okogie has declared for the NBA. Now, whether or not there's any correlation between those two facts, I have absolutely zero idea. Um, it is a theory. But um, GTEC's going to be all over him. Now they have a spot open. He's a, he's a shooter. He's a slasher. He's a scorer. He's everything that Georgia Tech needs. Now, when you look at Louisville, <clears throat> Louisville's roster currently has zero incoming freshmen. Okay? The only new guy they have is the Christian Cunningham kid that's coming in. And other than that, nothing. Um, they, you know, they still got VJ King, still got Jordan Orr. They do have the Stephen Enoch transfer, who was a big man from UConn, who redshirted last year. Still have Malik Williams. The guys that they do have on, on, uh, on, on roster. Okay, Ryan McMahon, Dwayne Sutton, Darius Perry. These guys are talented. There's just not a whole lot of them. Okay, they have a roster. I think let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys on scholarship right now. Okay, so they got five scholarships that they can hand out right now. Eight guys on scholarship. They're an injury injury away from being very thin. Okay, and guys like McMahon and Sutton, while very good players, very good shooters, um, you know, you, you want some depth in that backcourt, especially Perry. Perry's a you know he's a, a true a true sophomore. Okay, he played behind Quentin Snyder last year. Um, Perry's very good, very talented, high upside guy. But you know, right now Louisville's looking for some serious talent. Uh, Andre Hyatt would definitely provide them. Uh, with some depth in a position of need. So look for Louisville, look for G-Tech to be all over this kid. Whether or not he's a impact ACC freshman, I don't know. I think he'd have more of an impact at an Atlantic 10 school, such as VCU. So look for that. Keep an eye on him. Um, again, him, Sadiq Bay, right now, there are two huge guys on the recruiting trail. Uh, Louisville also offered Kira Lewis, who's a top 100 player, four-star point guard in the 2019 class. I say top 100 player, that's because 24-7 hasn't updated their rankings yet. He's a five-star guy. Okay, He's a he's a guy that Kentucky's after. Okay, Kentucky doesn't go after anybody that's not 
impact right now, possible conference, you know, all conference type player. And Kira Lewis certainly fits that mold. Um, he's going to be a climber in the 2000, sorry, the 2018 19 class. Um, you know, I, keep an eye on this kid. If Louisville is able to secure his, his, uh, his commitment, then that's a, that's a huge win, uh, both in regards to their talent level and as well as Chris Mack beating out Kentucky, which could, you know, I think Chris Mack's going to do very well recruiting at Louisville, and this could certainly signal that. Uh, Kevin McCuller, uh, sorry, McCuller, is down to five. Virginia Tech, Louisville both make the cut. Top 70 player in the 2019 class, 6'6", small forward out of Texas. He's already officially visited both of those schools, that being Virginia Tech and Louisville. Uh, Texas Tech right now has the lead in the crystal ball. You know, take that for what it's worth. He is a Texas kid, so they certainly have, you know, the proximity advantage. They've, you know, he's probably been to their campus three dozen times and, you know, worked out with the team and everything else. So, and, and after the season that Chris Beard just had, you know, he can sell program on the rise, you know, at will. So another kid to keep an eye on. I like him. I like those those big wing players. I, I just, they're, they're fun to watch. Uh, Juwan Gary, also down to five. Clemson, North Carolina State, Virginia Tech, I'll make the cut. Gary's a 6'6", small forward also in the 2019 class, but he is out of South Carolina. Uh, top 60 player, Alabama, South Carolina, also in the final five. There's five predictions in on the crystal ball, all of them for South Carolina. So looks like he wants to stay home, so keep an eye on Clemson. Who has who's had a rough time? Brad Burnell's had a rough time uh, capitalizing on his, his his year last year, making that tournament, and uh, you know he's took some lumps lately. Uh, especially you look at Trey McGowan's Zion Williamson; the, those were hard losses for Clemson. And uh, you know we'll see how he how he fares here. Uh, Virginia Tech has offered Justin Powell. Powell's a six five combo guard at a powerhouse Mount Verde in Florida. He's in the 2020 class. So long road ahead for this kid who is super talented. Um, you know it, it's going to be a battle to get this kid out of Florida. Expect these, expect the Florida schools, uh, Florida State, Miami. And uh, Florida to all be in on this kid before it's all said and done. Uh, according to verbal commits, Clemson has offered Daniel Ramsey. Ramsey is a four-star top 100, top 120 kid in the 2019 class. Uh, this kid's a beast. Uh, in the last two weeks, he's collected offers from Clemson, Wake, Florida, Ohio State, Vanderbilt, Georgia, TCU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. All this according to 24-7 Sports. Um, I've seen him a little bit. Because he was a G Tech recruit, so I've paid a little bit of attention to him. This kid is a little bit undersized for power forward, probably six seven, six eight, but he's just he's gonna destroy rims. Okay. He's one of those guys that tries to break backboards. He is a beast of a kid, uh, really good rebounder. Um, whoever lands this kid is gonna get themselves a hell of a front court player. Uh, Wendell Moore has scheduled his first official visit. He's a kid out of Concord, North Carolina. He named his, uh, his top five earlier in May, Duke, UNC, NC State, South Carolina, and Wake. The uh, Wolfpack get the, first, uh, get the first crack at this kid. He will visit them August 30th to September 2nd. Uh, when it comes to visits, I think you either want to be first or you want to be last. Now, I don't really have any numbers to back that up, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this with another crew here in just a second. You know, I don't know what the, the comparison is as far as kids committing on the, the second official visit as compared to the first official visit. But when you get the first official visit, I mean, you, you got to be ready, okay? You need cheerleaders and dancing bears and, and, and clowns and people dancing in the street and live music and, you know, whatever. Hookers, coke, whatever. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You know, this isn't Louisville. But, um, you know, you, you got to let it all hang out because every visit after you is going to be compared and judged by how great your visit was. So, 
you know, like uh, for instance, last year, G Tech got the first visit with Mike DeVoe and ended up eventually landing him. Now, they also got the first visit with Nas Little, but, you know, we'll see how that worked out. But, you know, one for two ain't bad. So we'll see how NC State goes. I uh, haven't heard anything as far as other official visits go. The other thing is, <clears throat> being a kid from Concord, you never know. I don't know who he's a fan of. I'm sure there's a picture out there floating around of him wearing a Duke hat or a Carolina hat. Um, NC State going for in-state kids. If Duke or Carolina want this kid, you got to assume that he's there. He's theirs, you know, unless he, unless he's just grew up a Wolfpack fan. What some people don't realize is, I live in the Triangle. Okay, <clears throat> the fir- and I've also lived in Wilmington. When you're in Raleigh, it's all NC State all the time. Okay, when you get away from Raleigh, it's Duke, it's North Carolina, it's not, it's not NC State. You know who else it is? It's Eastern Carolina. Okay, ECU has a big, a huge, huge population. Okay, and they have a huge fan base in, in North Carolina. I don't know how um, their their athletic department isn't better, but ECU is very popular in North Carolina. NC State, I think, runs fourth as far as popularity in this state. Um, the, fur- the further you get away from Raleigh, the their influence dissipates a great deal. You know, you're talking Duke, you're talking UNC, and you're talking Eastern Carolina. Then I think you're talking Wolfpack, which is something that a lot of people don't know. I didn't know before I got here. So, you know, just a little fun fact there for you. Um, this kid, 6'5", swingman, Wendell Moore, you know, top 30 kid, really talented. He would be a huge get for the Wolfpack or, or anybody else. But it is obviously, I think it's apparent that he wants to stay close to home. I mean, he has four North Carolina schools in his final five. And the fifth one is South Carolina. So um, he's going to be local. He's going to be playing in front of his family for probably the next couple of years before he goes pro. Uh, Pitt has offered Jaden Delaire, who's a 6'8 power forward out of Connecticut. Um, he's ranked in the top 125. I haven't seen him play. Um He's in the 2019 class. Obviously, uh, a big kid, state of Connecticut, top 125. You're going to have to contend with UConn. So we'll see how that goes. Right now, I think they have one prediction, the crystal ball for UConn. Um, Pitt has also offered Armando Baycott, which is very interesting. seems like a late offer because it's been basically a foregone conclusion that the kid is going to either UNC or Duke. Um, Common common idea is UNC. Um, I believe, I mean, everybody that's, anybody believes he's going to UNC, and it seems like every time something comes out about this kid, it's UNC. What might be interesting, and this is just a conspiracy theory on my part, is um, how bad does Coach K want this kid, and how bad does Coach K not want this kid to go to UNC? Okay. Coach K obviously has demonstrated over the last couple years that he could basically get almost anybody he wants. I mean, that, that sounds ridiculous, but it's it's pretty true. Um, now, he may have found a big that he likes better than Baycott, but he also may not want Baycott to go to UNC, okay? He may have a good enough relationship with Baycott to be like, hey, you know, my guy, my guy Jeff up in Pittsburgh, which why would you go to Pittsburgh if you can go to Chapel Hill? But anyway, you know, my guy up there, you know, Jeff, you could be the man, okay? You go to Pittsburgh and be the man. You could play with a quality point guard, McGowan's, okay? You could play with... Uh, probably a, a defensive kid in Xavier Johnson. You know, um, Pitt's going to get some guys. Okay, Pitt's going to have some players. Uh, Shamil Stevenson, I think, is still going to be a player. But Baycott, he could be the crown jewel at Pittsburgh. He could be the guy, the showcase guy. Um, plus, you know, Cable's got duffel bags full of full of uh, you know convincing convincing players to come to Pittsburgh. Now, are those duffel bags as full in Pittsburgh as they were in Durham? Who knows? But uh, you know. If Pitt's offering him, 
you got to think they're going after him hard. He becomes their number one priority in the 2019 class immediately. Um, you know, all this could just be for show. I don't know whether or not they believe they have a shot at him, but it's certainly interesting considering that um, up until now, everybody thought that this kid's either going to Duke or can, or North Carolina. Why would Pittsburgh waste their time and resources going after the kid? Just something to think about. We'll see what happens. Uh, Josh Nickelberry has taken an unofficial visit to uh, Virginia Tech. He also visited uh, Louisville earlier this month. If you're a Hokies or a Cardinals fan, you want this kid. He is awesome. Okay, He's a kid that uh, I watched play a little bit in AAU. He played with Ashton Hagens, who's a Kentucky commit uh, for the 2018 class. He also had Christian Brown, who's a 2019 open court beast. Um, those three played together on the same AAU team. I cannot remember the name of the AAU team, unfortunately. But uh, those three guys on the wings and the guard positions was just was just a show every night. And, uh, you know, if you're in on this kid, you definitely want this kid. This kid, like I talked about a couple weeks ago, you ever see a kid and watch him play, and you can just picture certain people's uniforms on him. I, I really see Louisville on this kid. I don't know why. Uh, you know, you see... You see Cam Reddish play, you can see Duke or Kentucky, okay? You see, uh, you know, the Darius Baisley kid, you see Syracuse, okay? But uh, this kid, when you watch him play, I just see Louisville. Now, I also said a couple weeks ago that, who did I see? Um, shit, I can't remember. Now it doesn't matter, so I'm going to move on. Um <laughs> Uh, Virginia Pitt, FSU, all offer uh, Khalil Whitney. Whitney's a 6'6 wing out of Washington, D.C. No, out of New Jersey. Uh, kid that you're actually witnessing his explosion right now. Um, he'll be a five-star kid. I actually just see uh, some conversating back and forth between rivals guys, that being Eric Bossy and uh, Corey Evans the other day on Twitter. And they all but you know, basically said that this Whitney kid is a five-star guy. Okay, They said the same thing about Kyra, Kira Lewis. Uh, a couple days before that. So this kid's 6'6", you know, built like a brick shit house. He's got one prediction in the crystal ball right now for Georgetown, but I'm not I, I'm not sure. You know, Patrick Ewing's done a hell of a job recruiting lately, but I'm not sure if they can hold on once these blue blood guys start getting involved. You know, Kentucky, Duke, um, Kansas, these guys are going to start getting involved with this kid. Um, <clears throat> Florida State also offered Daniel Ramsey, who's a kid I just talked about a few minutes ago, Ibrahima uh, Diallo, and Kwani Kwani. All in the 2019 class. I'm not sure if this is a reaction to the the uh, the Ike Obiagu uh, transfer. I'm assuming it is. There's obviously now a large hole. You know, Obiagu's a seven footer. Obviously, a large hole in the Florida State front court. Um, I have not seen a whole lot of Diallo or Kwane, but uh, I will. I'll, I'll look him up and see what I can see. But obviously, you know, Ramsey is a player that that could fill that hole. He's obviously not a seven footer, but he's a very effective front court player. Uh, hard-nosed kid. I think he'd do well at Florida State. Um, <clears throat> Louisville and Georgia Tech will receive official visits from Orlando Robinson. Now, if you don't know who Robinson is, you're not alone. He's a 6'9", uh, center, pure center, out of uh, Los Angeles. This is how funny recruiting is. I consider myself fairly, fairly well plugged in. Um, and by me, I mean I know people that are fairly well plugged in and have access to uh, a, a good bit of news within the Georgia Tech, uh, you know, fan base, community, coaching, recruiting action, things like that. I know guys that pay very much attention to that to that program's activities and can connect those tea leaves quite well. I had never heard Orlando Robinson's name uttered once, didn't know the kid existed until G-Tech is named in his final five. And that's kind of funny how 
how recruiting works sometimes. Uh, a lot of kids that, you know, I talked about it with the, the kid that named Virginia Tech in his final three along with Buffalo and USF the other day. Never heard of him. Um, I've never really heard of this guy. I haven't seen a whole lot on him. Um, one guy that's been keeping the situation has, has said Louisville is the leader in the clubhouse, they think. The other three uh, guys that are rounding out his top five, Boise State, Fresno State, Oregon State, uh, Louisville will host uh, September 14th to September 16th. They get the third visit. Georgia Tech is going to get the last visit. They host from September 28th to September 30th. Uh, the guy that I spoke with says basically if he gets past Louisville, then you know GTech has a shot. But right now the, the, the projections and the predictions on the crystal ball are rolling in for Louisville. So don't be shocked if Louisville scores. You know He's a four-star top 100 guy. He's a good big man, good player. Uh, expect Louisville to possibly secure that commitment on that official visit. Now, there's there's certainly um, hope, and I'm not writing off these other programs. You know, Fresno State, Oregon State, Boise State, all really good programs, and they also have the proximity advantage of being on the West Coast or at least very close to the West Coast. So Orlando Robinson's a name to keep you guys' eye on. He'll, I'm not sure he's going to commit this fall, but uh, with, with all his official visits set up, before the end of September, uh, it would certainly be indicative that he will be committing at some point during the early period. Uh, Louisville also offered Jordan Lathan, which <clears throat> if you've been paying attention to any news lately as far as college basketball, college basketball recruiting, you've probably ho- heard the name Jordan Lathan. Um, he is the player who was part of that uh, vaunted Northwestern greatest class they've ever had um, for 2018. Um, now, Chris Collins owns quite a few of those best Northwestern classes. And for whatever reason, um, Northwestern, as reported by Will Larkin of the Chicago Tribune, has revoked his admission to the school and also revoked his his, uh, his scholarship offer. So no other details were released in that story. Um, Louisville offered very quickly after that. I would imagine that somebody from the Louisville coaching staff or athletic department had contacted uh, Northwestern to get an idea of what's going on, um, and depending on the severity of any issues that he had, uh, you know they felt comfortable with with going ahead and extending the offer. Now Louisville is not exactly a pillar of morality, um, you know it, it doesn't really say a whole lot as far as the degree or severity of whatever Lathan did to get his scholarship offer revoked, but you got to think that it's not something criminal and it's not something. Um, too, too grave, I guess. I'll, I'll just I'll put it like that. So we'll see what happens with Lathan. Um, again, with Darius Perry being the only point guard they have on staff right now, you have to think that that Louisville is going to go hard after this kid. He becomes one of the you know one of the guys to join uh, Andre Hyatt and Sadiq Bay as the most sought after 2018 recruits left on the board. Um, that's about it for recruiting news. That's a pretty condensed version uh, of what's actually going on. You know, it, right now at this period of the year, I couldn't. I, I could go for two hours, guys, and and still not get you all the recruiting news. I try to keep everything that's uh, that's up to date on, or try to keep you guys up to date on what's happening with uh, large, you know, very high level recruits, and as well as guys that are likely to end up in the ACC. Uh, obviously, on some of that 2019, 2020 guys, it's still a little bit early, 
But uh, that's what I got for you today for recruiting news. I'm going to jump into a couple other quick stories, and then we're going to wrap it up for the day, and I'll let you guys enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day. Uh, maybe uh, one of the most underrated stories that happened last week was Phil Kofer has been granted an additional year of eligibility for Florida State. Uh, he played 11 games in 2015-16 and then missed the rest of the season due to an ankle injury. Um just cleared by the NCAA, he'll receive a fifth-year eligibility. Averaged 13 points, five rebounds for FSU last year. And if you watched any of their games, he is a a focal point of their offense. Uh, he gives FSU, a, a, you know, a legit trio in Terrence Mann, MJ Walker, and himself next year. When it comes to FSU next year. You know, you got to wonder about their rim protection with Obiago leaving. I don't think JMCK is a guy that's going to give you heavy minutes. You know, he's just he's a big-bodied kid. He's carrying around a lot of weight. You know, the, similar to the Drowmore situation at Wake Forest last year, you're going to have to get something there um, for to, to back up JMCK. And looking at their roster real quick right now, um, yeah, I mean, Raekwon, uh, Raekwon Gray is a kid that I really like. Um you know, I did a little bit of a piece on him earlier as a very deep sleeper in this. I think Kevin Gelly is going to have to play a little bit of five-man on this team. Um, you know, but when you look at when you look at Florida State, you know they've got some bigs, they've got some potential. Wyatt Wilkes is a guy who he could play some stretch for, but that might be a stretch. Um, I, I think Florida State. When it comes down to the the high level or high potential of the Seminoles next year, you got to look at their point guard play. You know they have uh, PJ Savoy. I'm not sure he's a full time point guard. I think he's more of a combo guard, shooting guard type player. You know you need that guy to spot up on the wing and, and drill some threes. I'm not sure he's the guy you want to turn to to initiate the offense. So you know the the departure of CJ Walker is pretty glaring right now. Um, looking again at their roster. God damn it. Let's see real quick. Come on. Uh, looking at their roster, uh, this David Nichols. Yeah. Um, they have, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys on scholarship. So they could still be looking at some. Uh, they still could be looking at some guys in the late recruiting period to bring in, uh, whether it be graduate transfer. Or 2018 kids. So we haven't really talked about, you know, they may be after the Lathan kid as well. I'm not really sure. I haven't seen anything on it. Um, anyway, keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on the Florida State situation. I got to assume that they're still looking for a point guard. Um, <clears throat> PJ Savoy could probably handle it for a period of time. Wyatt Wilkes is actually a big kid that played a little bit of point guard for his high school team. Didn't see a lot of run last year. I, I don't see it happening this year. MJ Walker could slide in there and handle the ball a little bit. Terrence Mann did handle the ball quite a bit for them next year or last year. So it may not be as big of a deal as I'm making it out to be. But, you know, when you get into the ACC, when you get into the NCAA tournament, point guard play is obviously a huge deal. And you rarely see teams make deep runs in the NCAA tournament without a true point guard. So something to keep an eye on. I think Florida State's a top 25 team. Some people think they're a top 10 team. I don't think that. You know, I think you need to be – a little bit more solidified at the point guard role, and I am not a big believer in Coach Leonard Hamilton. He has built that job up from nothing. Okay, He is that job. He is probably the best coach they've ever had at that position, but he has vastly underachieved with the talent that he's been able to bring into that program. All right, uh, a little bit of scheduling news. Notre Dame is going to play Oklahoma in the Jimmy V Classic at Madison Square Garden on December 4th this year. <clears throat> 
That'll be their second appearance in the Jimmy V Classic. They played Kansas State in 2007, and they actually beat the Wildcats in that game. So they're 1-0 in the JVC. Uh, go ahead over to slapassign.com uh, and check out the uh, little little something-something that I put together on that the other day for uh, Notre Dame. Uh, not a little bit of information as far as out-of-conference play this year. And this is this is ambitious, I think, by Tony Bennett. Virginia's going to play Marshall in the out-of-conference next year. Um, that's, that's, that's a big game. I mean, you got to think Marshall, 25 and 11 last year. Uh, they're the ones that knocked Wichita State, who was a four seed out of the NCAA tournament in the first round last year. Thundering Herd return uh, two 20-point-per-game scores next year in El- was Elmore and Burns, I believe. Um, tenth best scoring offense in the country last year. Now, Virginia obviously is the best defensive program in the country, you know, year after year. They're certainly going to be again next year. Um Although they do lose Isaiah Wilkins who and Devin Hall, which that's two huge losses. But uh, I still expect them to be one of the top defensive teams in the country. You're still playing for Tony Bennett. Um, they're going to slow it down. They're going to run their offense. They're going to limit your uh, offensive possessions. That is that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting scheduling move by Bennett, and that's a that's a potential misstep for Virginia early on. Which I'm surprised they're going to uh, surprised they're going to uh, risk that. But we'll see how it goes. I, you know, I think obviously Virginia is going to be favored in the game, but Marshall has you know a team that can put you know 85, 90 points on you in a heartbeat, and they're uh, coached by Dan D'Antoni, who is Mike D'Antoni's brother, and Marshall plays just like the Rockets play. So, you know, that's the uh, the, that's the family way of playing basketball in the D'Antoni family. Um, I'm going to end today on a little bit of a a funny news story. This is funny to me. I'm not sure it's going to be funny to everybody else. But um, it was reported by KeepingItHeal.com that UNC basketball has earned a perfect APR score for the 2016-17 academic year. Um, And that is actually their fourth consecutive year they've received a perfect score of 1,000. Okay, if you're a school that was just basically acquitted on charges of academic fraud for the better part of a 20-year period, I think the last thing you're going to be doing is advertising your perfect APR score. <laughs> it could just be me, but maybe you just let that one lie for a little bit. Now, there, I, I'm a have, I have no doubts that there have been changes made within the UNC basketball program to make sure that these kids are going to class, to make sure they're writing their own papers, to make sure that you know they're getting any tutoring help they need. But I think this is so close to basically, they basically admitted that yes, yes, it was true. Okay, these classes that didn't exist did exist. Okay, they basically told the NCAA to pound sand that they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't punish them. I mean, they they, yeah, they told the NCAA, ah, this doesn't fall under your jurisdiction. Um, they didn't lose any of their accreditations. Nothing really happened except for a show cause was placed on a professor that no longer is there and is actually retired. And then they come out and they they advertise the fact that they have a perfect APR score. You have to you have to stand up and clap at the giant titanium balls that the North Carolina Athletic Department is swinging around. They just have no fear of the NCAA, and the NCAA is cowering in the corner like a beat dog in the shadow of the monetary value that UNC represents. So I thought that was kind of a funny story. Uh, the UNC, uh, I'm sorry, the NCAA just continues to take it on the chin, you know, like a champ. 
uh, as they count their millions. You know, ACC, $412 million in revenue last past year. Uh, that's about it for today's uh, ACC Basketball Report, episode uh, 24. Don't forget to get on iTunes, like, rate, review, share. Uh, get my numbers up. Let's get uh, let's get some sponsorships in there, and we can start uh, really getting this thing rolling. Don't forget to visit my stuff on slapassign.com. I actually put out three articles last week, and uh, I also put one out on uh, ACCBR this morning on the five most impactful transfers that we can see that will be on the court this year uh, for the 2018-19 season. I thank you guys for joining me. I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a great Memorial Day, and I will talk to you next week. Later. Well, the day job I landed fair